Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast. I hope you had a good Easter, good Anzac Day as well. Today, we're going to be talking about rejection. So don't reject us and listen to this podcast. Make sure you share it. Go to neilcolhacker.com slash podcast. Send us in questions, topics, shout outs. All the money goes to charity and rejection. That's what we're diving headfirst into today. Eliza, have you ever been rejected? <laughs> probably. Prob- it, what yeah, do you mean probably? probably? Everyone remembers their rejections. <laughs> um, You know, like I guess it... it... <laughs> Uh, probably, yeah, I'll say yes. All right, well, you clearly... <laughs> it's nothing like urgently sent steps into my mind as a clear memory of, yes, that time. But I'm sure throughout my life, I've been rejected, I'm certain, many times in like Korea oh, okay. or okay. Have you ever been uh, rom- rejected it- <laughs> for a romantic partnership or a... Uh, did you Have you ever approached someone and gotten rejected by them? No. Okay. Have you? What? Yeah, every week when I'm single. So, <laughs> all right, I've a, I've a lot more lived experience on this uh on this topic. Uh, so this will be a fun one. Um, before we get into the yeah. topic, this podcast is sponsored by Steady Freddy. Steady Freddy have a wide range of men's sexual health products. They've got ultra thin, wonderful condoms. They have got ball boost tablets will help you with your vitality, your testosterone. They've just got great vitamins in them as well. And they've got the delay spray. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it here. It's nice and portable. And uh, basically, if you suffer from premature ejaculation, which, look, that doesn't mean that you just come in 30 seconds. That could be you're arriving earlier than you would like. If you want to last for 20 minutes and you're only lasting 10 minutes, technically that could be premature ejaculation. So get yourself some Steady Freddy Delay Spray. Uh, my uh, my good friend Max, uh, by the way, go and subscribe to Max and, and Dan, Adventures of Max and Dan as well. But he came up with a great tagline. It was uh, the spray to keep the cum at bay. So steadyfreddy.com. Use the code SEXCELLS. <laughs> you get 15% off. And it was formulated by Dr. David Reiner. A lot of uh, a lot of partners will buy it as a present um, for their significant other. SteadyFreddy.com. Use the code SEXCELLS and make sure you uh, use only as directed. Read all the labels, all of that. And this podcast is also sponsored by Crush Organics. Crush Organics have a huge range of CBD oil products. They have got your classic CBD oil, but they've also got gummies. They've got bath bombs. They've got CBD oil for your pets. No better way to relax than with uh, a few drops of CBD oil. I can definitely attest to that. And it's very popular now. Everyone's using it. Use the code NEIL. You get 40% off. Go to crushorganics.com. That's crush with a K, crushorganics.com. And of course, I do shows all over the place. I do them weekly in Sydney. Uh, monthly in Melbourne, in Brisbane, in Newcastle, and Western Sydney. I think now the new website will be live. So go to comedyuntamed.com. Comedy Untamed, that's the new brand. It's me, Daniel, and Max. So uh, we're doing wow. shows. Yeah, that's all exciting. up and down the East Coast. And yes, I know people from Perth and Adelaide, uh, you're probably thinking, why, aren't you ca- why are you going to Newcastle and not Perth? Well, look, financial reasons, to be honest. <laughs> There's three of us. We can't do regular shows and fly us in and out. But we will definitely 
come and uh, do some big theater shows in your city soon enough. But otherwise, go to comedyuntamed.com, see us live. Shout out to a, a lady called Gabby that came to the Sydney show recently. She said she was a big fan of the podcast. Said she was a big fan of you, Eliza. And uh, we actually involved her in one oh, of our games, so in one of cute. our improv games that uh, ended in a porno as well. Oh. So, uh, um, yeah, a few nice. people who listen to Sex Sales have been coming to the live show. And uh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. Oh, and, so you know, I've also got a few messages of support from uh, the podcast two weeks ago when I was talking about how the weather was affecting the sales. And look, in the last two weeks, I don't think there's been a day of rain. It's been very nice, uh, very nice weather here in Sydney. So things are already a lot better. So thank you for those messages. And thank you, everyone who's come to the shows so far. All right. Rejection. That's so sweet. First of all, how exciting for your shows and your new website and good, how they really going? good so far. Yeah, thriving. Uh, yeah, busy. busy? Uh, yeah. It's very, it's challenging, but it's also very fun um, having to do shows with three people because you don't realize like the the margins and the costs, the business side of this. We don't have a manager right now. We're doing yeah. all of that, and when you're flying. Yeah. Um, three people turn flights get accommodation as well it's uh it's uh it's a challenge yeah. but it's uh, it's stimulating to make it cost viable and ensuring that the ticket price is still not too expensive but it's also you know an accurate gauge of what we're worth so uh, i'm really enjoying it and uh yeah that's the that's the new brand to use all the corporate lingo comedy untamed australia's wildest comedy show that's uh that's what we are that's what we're about we've got different guests uh we do improv bringing that back. No one does improv and every show is different. So definitely come along and see us. Uh, but yeah, it's been, it's so much fun as well because comedy is actually a very solitary profession usually. But uh, when you finish a show mm, and you're, yeah. you know, you're having a few beers with, uh, with the boys, it's very fun. It's very enjoyable. It feels like a tribe and uh, it just makes it so much nicer when you do a good show and, and also nicer when it, when it has been a bad show. You can just kind of laugh about it and not have to go to a hotel room all by yourself. So mm. uh, it's it's nice. Yeah. It's very nice. I'm enjoying it. And if it wasn't for COVID, I wouldn't have even done it this way. I would have probably just kept doing my uh, my solo shows. So what a what a wow. Was it not no, a thing what before a, COVID? Uh, convenient series of events. Yeah, silver yeah. lining. So yeah, it's very different. Yeah. So that's yeah, the vision that's so to awesome. create regular touring shows uh, all across. Well, at first, at least the east coast of Australia and. Uh, to not have to do just one big tour once a year, which is how most of the other comedians operate and mm. got their one solo show that they'll tour around the country and sometimes uh, around the world. But I want to do something that's regular that people can come back to and, and you know, we're doing well. Those, uh, those games I'm sure a lot of people are seeing on Instagram and TikTok, that's all from part of the show. And shout out to, uh, to Daniel who just reached 100,000 on TikTok as well. So... It's all going well. Wow. How uh, how are you, Eliza? How's uh, That's so good. How's the how's the baby? Is it kicking? <laughs> I'm not at the kicking stage. I'm at the it's quickening. called quickening, okay. Okay. <laughs> which is a weird name for like when you're um, basically it's like baby tiny little kicks that you feel, but it feels like it's like a moth in your stomach rather than an actual like thud but i should be feeling kicks within the a next moth. two weeks so that's like the limit um 
of when they start to be like, you need to be feeling kicks. Uh, so, which is six months. Um, so yeah, hopefully very soon, but we shall, How exciting. we shall see. But everything else is going Are you getting good. many cravings? Yeah. It's kind of, um, yes, yes. And let me tell you, I'm very quick to satisfy them. Like it's, it's nothing good. I'm always jealous of people like, oh, I've been craving like pickles and fruit. For me, it's cake. Cake and Hungry Jacks. That's it. The the Rebel uh, Rebel Whopper. Oh, you, your son's going to be born with a rat cell if you give him too oh. much Hungry Jacks. I know, I know. And we keep looking at all the kids up here and just seeing every single child on the Central Coast has has a mullet, um, but not in a trendy way. <laughs> well, you don't you almost you almost have to give him a mullet do. then because otherwise he, he'd get bullied. So. You, you can't give him a bowl cut or whatever. What are, what are the other? You can't give him that like uh, the e-boy uh, middle part, which is what I used to have. No, you got to go mullet. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, about this time last year. Remember last yeah, year I cut my hair, I didn't have long hair for a while and I had that little oh, yeah. middle part. I liked that haircut. Yeah. Um, oh, thank you. That was a good haircut. Your hair grows so Yeah, fast. it actually does. I've got weirdly thick, luscious hair. <laughs> it's very hair. yeah i'm uh, i'm lucky um and uh my dad oh. still has his full full head of hair uh my granddad had oh. hair till like his 70s i think my dad's dad lost it at about in his 30s so uh fingers crossed i keep all of, uh, look i'm nearly th- they do say if you <laughs> if you keep it by 30 you're usually then pretty good till um yeah. till later i definitely have like a widow's peak hairline and, and I was worried at 18 because I lost a lot on the sides but uh no it, it just mm. kind of stayed that way and yeah, yeah. one little good Happy thing days. there don't have a male pattern baldness yet <laughs> one little yeah. good thing about yeah. me <laughs> that's nice but if you do that's true it doesn't matter that's true yes no one seems to care about it much these days like I feel like it used to be such a thing 20 years ago or whatever but Literally no one cares well, about that, that anymore. The, the treatments now are really good and not that expensive from what I've heard. Like Ashley and Martin and and when I not no uh, yeah. no sponsorships there. Uh but uh from what I've heard, those sorts of <laughs> yeah. clinics they they do a really good job. I mean you can basically, you know, almost reverse balding. It depends on, you know, how long you're willing to um well how much you're gonna invest and things like that. But uh and also, you got you got men like The Rock, Jason Statham, all these movie heroes that are that are bold. Yeah, that's the thing. If you have a nice shaped head that you can go bald in, I think you're so lucky. It's just unfortunate for those that don't have the head shape to rock bald. I think, and then they they feel really like insecure and they wear the hats. But yeah, like you said, there's so many options. Or if not, like it's. No one cares about it as much as you do. And I used to say, um, I actually had a boyfriend once that was going bald and he used to get paid out so much for it. And we were in uh, Bali with all his friends once and they were all taking the piss out of him. And they like stood up and I was like, you know that um, men that go bald prematurely, it's because they have excess testosterone. So while you guys are all losing your erections in at 40 years old old mate over here will still be fucking like there's no tomorrow so did that actually did win it, some so you lose some and you stood up it's and, true and you it's and you true. had a go at his mate yeah yeah 
I didn't have a go. I was just what did he say? Backs. Was he, I was just was saying, he, this is the thing. They, okay. they all okay. laughed. They all pissed themselves laughing and they were like, oh, yeah, fair enough, actually. Yeah. Um, he loved it, but it wasn't, it wasn't in a, like a, don't you bully my man oh, kind okay. of way. Just contributing like, to the banter. Okay. Who's the real winner here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do say that, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, that, uh, excess testosterone can contribute to hair loss, but then I see a lot of pudgy bold guys as well. So it's, it's, I think it's half genetic, <laughs> half, uh, half hormonal, but, uh, yeah, yeah. You, look at, you look at someone like the rock Yeah. and I'm sure that is a very virile man. Also a very bold man. Although, I don't know. He probably took a lot of steroids. So, uh, who knows? Who knows what his hormones are like? But, speaking of men who probably have never been rejected, I'm sure he's one of them. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe in his younger days. Maybe before he was the rock. Maybe he got rejected. Uh, Okay, rejection. So, this is is something that uh, a lot of people are always uh, asking us to talk about. What do you want to what do you want to start with? Do you want to start with, you know, the types of rejection, how uh maybe some personal experiences of rejection? Uh where do we where do we want to start this one? I think hearing personal experiences from you <laughs> if you're willing to would be a really good yeah. place to start because what I found is that like I would say three quarters of the messages I get on my Instagram from men are about rejection in some form or the other. And I've never had a message from a woman that needs to kind of talk through their rejection. A lot of my friends have been rejected and are single and get rejected all the time. They don't really give a shit. It just happens. They move on. So I find it, I think it'd be really interesting to also then unpack like what is the gender gap in this why is there such a difference in response although that being said some women just don't just refuse to admit that they were rejected ever Mm. that wasn't me (laughs) when i say i haven't been rejected but some women just don't they're like no i Mm -hmm. will not accept it and then they chase a man for three years (laughs) get cheated on by him and it's very specific so yeah (laughs) starts Yeah, no, no one in particular. Okay. Start us off. Well, when have you? What's what, before, what comes before into your mind? I'll start when you think off. Of uh, it? If you are messaging Eliza with, uh, you know, good ideas for topics and questions and things like that, I'd strongly recommend sending in um, a topic and and actually subscribing because all that money, like I've always said, goes straight to charity and we'll we'll specifically go through exactly what you're looking for us to talk about. We're just going to do this one because so many overwhelming people have been messaging in about rejection so yeah oh okay well the first big rejection i remember I th- i'm sure i've spoken about this on the on the podcast before was uh i had a huge crush on this girl in year 10 and year 11 it was a it was a while i, I never i never really owned up to it for a long time and uh we didn't go to the same school but we did uh we did drama together oh cute <laughs> yeah so saw each other on the yeah, yeah outside of school like a local uh, it drama wasn't club? exactly local for me uh, it was actually like a one hour drive but uh basically yeah yeah um wow. total scam of a club but, but that's a completely different conversation um and <laughs> i was just madly in love with her for so long and it was just the classic you know always trying to chat to her on msn overthinking every message and basically all of year 10 i i remember essentially having a crush on her 
mm. wanting to tell her. And I remember because we could only really see each other in the school holidays um, because we didn't really live in the same area in Sydney. And I think I remember at the end of that year, I really wanted to say something, but she did not have the courage to do so. And then, and then a few things actually happened in her life, unfortunately. Like I think she lost a, a family member um, and she wasn't at the drama class for a while. And then, and then it wasn't till like a couple of months later where I finally told her how I felt. And uh, I think maybe, yeah, the spark by then we hadn't seen each other that often. And, you, you know, I, I had, look, I was a 15 year old boy. I, I don't know whether there actually was a spark or if, whether it was in my imagination, but I felt like there may have been, you know, nearer the start. But yeah, by, by the time I actually told her, she, basically just said yeah look i i don't see you as anything more than a friend and yeah pretty brutal um Aww. yeah is what it is <laughs> but uh look i'm sure uh many uh men, men, men but many people in general have uh, have had that uh same experience the classic old friend zone and yeah it was it was brutal it really hurt because Oh, you know when you have a crush on someone as a teenager and you have all these fantasies in your head about, you know, this is how I'm going to date yes. this person and these are the dates we can go on and these are the things I want to do. And, yeah. you know, we even made a film together. Um, and, yeah, to just kind of have that was very Aww. hurtful. And then I didn't really um, try to just ignore girls, I think, for the rest of year 11 and most of year 12 even, yeah, because Aww. I was just like, oh, that hurt too much. I don't want to do that again. And ironically enough, a new girl <laughs> came to the school when I, I was in year 12, actually. She was in year 11. And she looked mm. very similar to the girl I had a crush on, like almost identical. And, um, yeah, I also ended up having a crush on her. But uh, that was never reciprocated. I never really sort of said anything. I think it's one of those things where it sort of got to her from other people in the school and just wasn't mutual unfortunately Aww. so uh yeah uh a pretty pretty savage little two years there for me in uh in high three years i should say in high school um and then yeah, yeah, high be, yeah. and uh oh look i'm sure look it's it's actually mm -hmm. a very normal high school experience to be rejected the hormones and in high That's school true. are brutal yeah. and then <laughs> yeah you know when you're yeah, in the environment meant, all yeah. of my friends were were dating and losing their virginity and things like that. And, and then I just, yeah, I felt like it was sort of out of my grasp, out of my reach and it wasn't nice. But at the same time, I think that's sort of what motivated me to focus a lot of my acting and my uh, comedy and my drama. And it's probably why I'm in the position I am today. So that's what they do say. Uh, it, you know, the nerd that you reject in high school could become the, the next tech billionaire. So not quite, I, I, didn't, yes. I didn't quite become that, did I? But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's... Um, yeah, Close yeah. Enough. So those were two uh, more kind of romantic rejections. But then, you know, when I started going out clubbing and and approaching girls at, at bars and things like that, look, you're always gonna get, you know, even the most good looking guy is gonna, for every ten girls he approaches, probably gonna get rejected by five, you know. And some points when you are, you know, when you're just out on the town and you can find a lot of women attractive and, and just want to talk to them. And often it's, um, you're, uh, yeah, often it's nice. Uh, it's just, Hey, look, I'm just here with my friends. You seem really nice, but, uh, I'm just not interested. Sometimes it's a bit more brutal, like fuck off. I'm with my friends, leave me alone, that kind of thing. 
Uh, but then at the same time, look, there's probably mm. some times I look back on now where I probably could have been a bit, well, I could have looked at the situation a bit better and maybe not have uh, approached someone in, in in a certain context, you know, in, in clubs and things like that. It's always a bit, I just, I just don't like clubbing. You know, I, don't, I never liked it and it was always weird to approach people there because you can't hear anyone and you can get a bit uncomfortable and yeah. it's always a bit awkward there. Uh, but then in terms of like very serious romantic rejections other than like those two were probably the most impactful. I'm trying to think because otherwise, as as you know, as everyone knows, the way dating uh, sort of is initiated in this day and age is that you sort of, you start acting coy with each other and test out the waters because you, you, you're just so fearful of being rejected. So, you know, you never want to act too interested and there are all these rules about, look, I don't want to message yes, them after two or three yeah. days. So there were a lot of um, instances where I, I suppose there was waning interest in the talking stage, but there wasn't a direct, hey, I don't see you as that sort of a person. I don't, you know, I don't want to date you. Uh, there was one or two others where I'd gone on like maybe four dates with a with a girl and then I said I'd love to pursue this further and she said she wasn't interested and um, otherwise there was some where it was just a one-off date where, you know, I thought it might have gone well but then she might have messaged me saying, look, I don't see you as any more than a... Uh, it just, I didn't see the spark. That's a common thing. Um, I just didn't feel the spark. And I've also sent that message as well. I've, uh, mm. I've, se- I've sent similar sort of mm-hmm. messages where I just wasn't feeling it. I just didn't feel particularly interested. The conversation didn't feel like it flowed well. And I think it's important to try to give someone a second or third date if you can. But if it's if it's one of those situations where it's totally awkward from the get-go, then, yeah, it's probably fair to reject someone. Uh, but look, it's, it's yeah. not easy uh, being rejected like that. You put so much value into a potential romantic partner and everyone has a narrative in their mind of, well, being part of a fairy tale, basically, where you know you're the you're the prince or the princess, and uh, you imagine things going a certain way, and and when they don't, it's uh, it's just a sort of stark realization that oh look, yeah, life isn't a fairy tale, and and you are going to face a lot of rejections, uh, especially now the way dating is, and there are definitely better ways mm. to cope with it than than others, and um. A lot of times you, you get into a sort of ego defense mode and, you know, the the classic is, well, all right, well, yeah, I never really liked you that much anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> Something along those lines. Yes. It can be a lot more brutal yeah. than that as well. And if that, if you're hmm, receiving yeah. that kind of a response, that's the other person being very insecure and trying to sort of protect themselves. It doesn't excuse it, especially if they're very callous with what they say, but it does come from them being insecure and, um, I don't know if I've ever, I think I've, I've maybe once I said, Hey, look, I, I just wasn't feeling it. And I don't really think I could see us being any more than friends. And then after a few messages where she was very clearly interested, she then said, Oh yeah, yeah. I felt the same as well. And I'm like, really? Did you? <laughs> but then you're like, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah. Why are you trying to reject yeah. me now? Stop. Uh, yeah. so everyone's trying to protect yeah. their. Yeah, ego in those situations, aren't they? So Egos, yeah. those are the ones that come to mind. I'm sure there's been more uh, in terms of professional rejections. Uh, well, when you're an actor, that's 
that's just your life. You go to auditions all the time and then you yeah. never get a callback. So actors, if anyone knows what it's like to be ghosted, it's an actor. You know, it's just you, you, you yeah. think, oh, and, and the casting director's always like, that was so good. You are one of the best we saw today. We'll be in contact. Oh, really? And then they never are. So, uh, I, yeah. That's mean. Why bother saying that? Because it's that's, a fickle, yeah, shallow industry. That's why. No, look, shout out to any actors. Mm. Um, I'm writing a short film right now. But, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, look at me. I'm, bit, I'm like an incel. I'm like an acting incel. <laughs> Fucking casting directors. They're all the same. <laughs> Make you feel good. Will you be a casting yeah, director of course. for your I'm short I'm taking full film? control of that. Not going to let any other. <laughs> and will you be like, that was really good. Oh, look, I, I usually don't do a contact. full audition process. It costs a lot of money. So I usually just know yeah. actors and actresses that I like. And uh, yeah, bit of uh, bit of nepotism there. So good. Good. Yeah. Good, easy uh, breezy good meritocracy. <laughs> but uh uh, other professional rejections. Yeah, there's things, you know, there's sort of prestigious events in comedy, like the, well, the gala, I don't know if you'd call that prestigious still, but uh, that's sort of the pinnacle of Australian comedy. It definitely was. And there was always part of me that really wanted to be on it and I never I never really got, got there, which, again, it wasn't sort of a clear rejection as such, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a bit, it's, it's close mm. to it. Um, other than that, I've often just worked for myself, so it's hard to, it's hard to gauge whether I've had a sort of direct, I've had to do more breakups in my professional life. So I once had to break up with a manager that was honestly quite difficult because you can't sort of say, oh, it's, we're just different or it's, it's not you, it's me. You basically have to say, yeah, you're not good enough. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty brutal. Hard. That's so. Have you had any? Uh, have you had yeah. any professional yeah. rejections or non non romantic rejections? Yeah. Um. When in my current job, actually, I at the moment I no longer work directly with the family as such. I'm the manager, so I send all the other therapeutic workers out to work with the families. And to get to this job, I had to apply for it twice, and I was rejected the first time and then they made a new role for me being like you're not ready to be the manager but you can be like the senior therapeutic clinician and I was like okay here we go so I did it and I was so angry (laughs) the whole time because I was like I've been here the longest I know I'm the best blah 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 and the person they hired instead of me quit within two months because she couldn't handle it um so they tried to hire again and I think that, you know, what was interesting, I also had a friend um, in my same workplace who in a different team, so uh, we work with different clientele, exact same thing happened to her. She also was put into this senior role in her team instead of TL. Then we both had TL, uh, sorry, like management um, roles open up at the same time. And she decided she, you know, was quite bitter that she had been rejected. and didn't get the role so she decided she wasn't going to go for it and me on the other hand I made like a fucking powerpoint she like had all these printed pamphlets of why I'm the best um everything I've done for this organization every single family I had like literal research to show how my family have tracked along um compared to the other average worker so um 
then I got nice. dropped. Um, but I think that it's it was really interesting to me that because I kept telling my like friend, my coworker, like you have to go for it again, like show them how bad you want it. And she was like, if they wanted me, they would have put me in it in the first place, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't want to work in a workplace like this. And I was like, you're not going to, they're not going to offer it to you because, you know, you're sitting back upset about it. It's going to go to someone else that really wants it. Like you have to show them. <laughs> this is the thing. Like, you know, the people, the people that work above me that decide my job opportunity have nothing to do with anything therapeutic, nothing to do with social work backgrounds. They're purely business people. So they look at me and they see numbers, like mm. what is the outcome? What is the projected value? Like, you know, what is the, we don't, we're not for profit, but still like how much um, support can you be providing? That's gonna look good to the board members, etc. So that's all what it was like. But um, other than that, yeah, um, I also got rejected when I, had my back injury and I was moving up the central coast and I was looking at another role closer to home because I wasn't sure how I was going to be driving down to Sydney every day. This is before I was only working a couple days a week down there. And I went for a job um, as a, it was like a drug and alcohol counselor specifically for women that have experienced domestic violence and that have children. Um, And I had to disclose obviously that I was on a current, you know, workers' compensation for the last like six months. And I said, I actually don't know how my back injury is going to progress because at this point it's not any better. And they were like, we can't risk that because you're going to have to be picking up babies. You know, you're going to have to be doing this and that. Um, And that was like a harsh projection for me because I was like, I get bashed at work and then I can't get jobs because of it. So... But then, you know, it all turned out for the better, I think, because then I got a better opportunity in my oh, current workplace anyway. So um, it worked out. But my um, friend, I was actually messaging just before this podcast. And this is, I've talked about her all the time. because She's my, my friend that's like really smart, sexy, single and funny and has the worst dating experience. And I just can't handle like how shitty it is for her at times and she's a bit older than me and like literally only two years older than me or a year or two older so almost 30 and um she was saying that she had gone a couple dates with this guy they've really hit it off and then they went on a date last wednesday again it was perfect talking about all these amazing things really connecting and then thursday morning she found out that um she had she wasn't feeling well she took a test later that afternoon she had covid (sighs) So she straight away told him being like, hey, I'm really sorry. I know I saw you last night. They just went for drinks. And she was like, I did, I felt completely fine yesterday. Um, and I test two, three times a week. But unfortunately, I have COVID now. I'm so sorry. Blah, blah. And he basically ghosted her because he was going to Noosa the next day. And so he was he had a go at her for it, like having COVID. And then ghosted her, but she didn't even know. And I just was like, how shitty is that? Like, what was it? Why did he? Like, how was she? What was what he was having she... a go at her about? Just saying it was irresponsible or something? He was like, you put you having COVID and then seeing me the day before you had COVID, surely you had symptoms. And she was like, I promise you, I had no symptoms. Like, I was completely fine. I was a bit tired because it was the end of a work week, but like, 
nothing that indicated I was at all unwell. And he was like, this implicates my trip, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, I told you, the second I found out I had COVID, I told you. Interesting. Um, So... Yeah, and then I asked her because we, we I've talked about her rejection stories actually quite a bit on here, like with this specific thing kind of happening, two dates look amazing and then something happens where they have a go at her, massive red flag or they ghost her or something. And I said to her, like, what do you actually think it is at, at the moment that is making this happen more than ever compared to when I'd met her and we were both single, we we're both on Tinder both matching with the same guys all the time and we we'd always have all these guys taking us out for dates and then we were the ones being like oh no I don't know if I like this one like we kind of had the power of choosing or whatever um and so much had changed in the last two three years for her so I was like what do you think has actually changed do you think it's one that you're like you're no longer in your mid-20s and now you're like almost 30 is could it be that or could it be um just the dating pool could it be COVID somehow anyway she thinks that um one of her theories which I think is interesting and probably true is that during COVID like with everything being shut down for two years like clubs and things like that there was there's not much you know incentive on being single and going out and having fun so I think that a lot of people actually coupled up during COVID like I did yeah I did. <laughs> um yeah. and everyone else I know found yeah. a relationship you did um during covid it's an interesting theory, so actually because she's like i think the dating pool is yeah, just really small yeah because there was a much greater incentive for people who because there's no opportunity cost was there if you are uh, uh choosing mm. to be in a in a in a relationship you weren't really missing out on going out and being single because you couldn't go out so that's actually that's yeah. very interesting and you can't really like you couldn't distribute your affection across you know on on mondays i see this girl oh i've got a date on wednesday go down this so you couldn't just go to whoever interested you the most that week <laughs> well, i don't like, know how many people can do because you <laughs> have to be that's, conscious that's a, that's a select few <laughs> that can actually do that i don't know <laughs> it's a thing um in the, in but, the vegan community maybe. yeah i have <laughs> yes no, it's it's definitely a thing in in all Fair, communities, yeah. but I think more commonly probably with women um, having oh, multiple dates. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the week, right. yeah, yeah. So whoever catches their interest oh. the most is winner winner chicken dinner. Interesting. Um, it, it could be. Yeah, it's just it's. Yeah. It, when it rains, it pours. In anything dating related, I feel like it, if you start to get in a on a negative path with a, a series of rejections or uh fail yeah. i wouldn't say failed but uh uh dating experiences that didn't amount to anything substantive then that can often exacerbate and, and just continue and then you can almost start to act in a way that uh continues that cycle because you are then getting so turned off by the pain of rejection that you subconsciously I don't like that word sabotage. Everyone uses that word sabotage. You just you just act in a way that uh, uh, yes, yeah, you okay, do you sabotage. do sabotage. It's just a very yeah. strong word. Like you you sort of yeah subconsciously try and preclude the possibility of being rejected again while still wanting that relationship. So it's this you're in two minds, and uh, mm-hmm. that can often be what what occurs and. Um, 
there's a there's a range of factors uh why people can be rejected consistently or some of them aren't uh comfortable to talk about either but i think we can focus on how to deal with rejection a bit more than maybe our theories as to why some people get rejected more than others because look yeah everyone i mean 99 percent of people get rejected in a, in in a day definitely men yeah. and i think in this day and age women as well mm. um it's it's common it's mm. it's almost certainly something you're going to have to deal with in your life and uh you you, you want to try and deal with it in a um constructive way so I found with very intense rejections, um, so someone that you've maybe been chasing for a while that you've already had feelings for, I, I think for me, in, at least in my life, those were the worst, the ones where I it wasn't a three dates and then it was over type thing because those are sort of situations where after two or three weeks, you're usually over it. You're, you're over that individual situation. Mm. You, you may be continually going down a negative yeah. spiral or something like that, but... Uh, when it was uh, a situation where I was chasing someone, interested in someone for months, and then I found found out it was the feelings were unrequited, those are the ones that are very difficult to deal with. Um, first of all, you don't want to lash out. You don't want to react emotionally. You probably will be in a heightened emotional state, and you've got to really discipline yourself to not message someone immediately when you're in that state. And this doesn't just go for rejection. This just goes for anything and everything, really. Uh, you want to take some time out, talk to friends. And if you feel like you maybe have been hard done by, if you feel like you, you, you maybe were given mixed messages, and it's often pretty normal to feel that way, to feel like a, well, like a victim in, in many of these situations, just always understand that you're probably not thinking entirely rationally and you still want to be very cautious of how you respond in that situation. And um, the best situation is... Uh, the, the best course of action is always to talk to someone else. Always have have someone in mind that you can talk to when either breakups or rejections occur because can often, and I'm only saying this from personal experience, it can make it far worse if you uh, react to those emotions and send a very angry message because uh, that almost never works when you say, oh, but you said this and... How come you said this and you just you know feel like you've lied to me? Like that's it's not gonna get what you want there if you if you send that sort of a message. And I definitely have in the past, and um, it's it's not good. So be very try to be very calm and mm. and just don't react immediately. Just take some time. Uh, even if you leave someone on scene, I think with with situations like this, people are pretty forgiving if they're left on scene for sometimes even a couple of days. Uh, now when it's someone organizing plans and, and they're left on scene, that's rude, but someone's broken up with someone or um, rejected someone through text, it's okay to not respond to that for a while. In fact, I would strongly recommend not responding immediately to something like that. Yeah. So that's the first thing, yeah. the first piece of advice I would say. And, and, and if we're talking about rejections, mm. uh, when, you, when you're just approaching someone, for men, again, I don't know how common this is. I don't know how many people actually approach in, in real life. Any, I'm sure they do, but a lot of it's done online. Embrace the rejection. There's actually nothing wrong with that at all. You, you're going to get rejected. If you're going out on, on if you're uh, at a bar and you see a girl that you find attractive, you almost got to expect, look, she's probably going to reject me. Let me just go for broke and see 
how she responds and then you know take no like if for the don't be uh persistent in that situation you can try to turn on the charm and maybe she says oh i'm i'm not sure or no maybe try one more time and just say like are you sure or like you know whatever follow-up line you may have but no more than that i'd, I'd leave it at just maybe that one follow-up uh but i think exposure therapy is actually good with those sorts of rejections because i know when i was younger i just i was mm-hmm. just mortified of talking to strangers especially uh female strangers that i was found attractive i just was petrified i'd, I'd shake and uh had no idea what i was saying and it was just like your classic teen movie i did i did, just did not know how to uh, conduct myself at all and the best way to oh. get over that is actually just with practice like you just have to get used to talking to women that may, you do find attractive and you, you realize well they're no different to anyone else so uh, you're always going to have a little bit of that nervous feeling when it's someone you're attracted to and and you have a fondness for but you can definitely um mitigate some of the uh negative effects of that just through practice it really i i know it's simple but i i think uh in a nice way you don't want to go out there and just try to hit on every single girl just for the sake of it i mean just practice like talking to to people regardless of whether you're hitting them or on them or not um if there's a cashier or uh you, you know maybe a uni student that you do find attractive just just being like just smile and say hey how how you doing or like you know how was your day just a, just a classic opening conversation line that that's nothing sexual or um overt it shows any overt romantic interest because then you're just getting used to approaching people that you would otherwise be nervous about approaching and uh if you if you keep doing that as you get older generally speaking you'd get more comfortable doing it and on average you know a 28 year old man is going to be a lot better at at that than an 18 year old man so uh, it's simple but if if we're talking about that sort of rejection then i think um yeah exposure therapy and 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 practice really is just uh and and not practicing in just a game sort of way just just practicing talking to people that's a good skill to have regardless of whether you're trying to approach women or not it's Mm -hmm. just a nice skill to be able to be charismatic and personable and and confident uh in talking to strangers and that yeah some people are naturally better than others uh if you're just extroverted and look yeah there's a there's a huge privilege for people who are inherently good looking here that we can't avoid a situation like that but you know if you Mm. still you can still work on it and you can still get better at the skill of of approaching people and as long as you respect yeah consent and um just read the situation well and if you ever do misstep just be accountable for it and acknowledge it uh, i don't think there's anything wrong with um you know going to a bar with with your friends and and trying to talk to people that you find attractive uh i don't some people say that in this day and age yeah. gen, gen z men are now afraid of even doing that and i think that's definitely taking things too far i think there's nothing wrong with actually approaching someone at a bar but just just be mindful of how they're responding to you and and be wary of the cues and and just accept the rejection and if you do get angry about it or emotional about it just go and deal with that yourself and don't take it out on the person who did the rejecting now it's different yeah if it's someone that you've been seeing for a while or if it's someone that you're friends with that maybe you do feel like there were 
there were signals that weren't communicated effectively, then the best thing is to try to sit down with them and have a conversation and, and not attack them um, and just say, hey, look, this is from my perspective, how I felt, uh, how I received your behavior. And um, I do feel a bit, uh, maybe not hard done by, but I, I just feel like uh, something wasn't conveyed effectively. And I do feel, I feel rejected that you can say that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And it's very hard in those situations to not get defensive and, and attack the other person that's for both parties. Um, but uh, just try not to. And I think and this is another thing where, where experience is, is the the best teacher. Uh, I, I would like to think most people who are older yeah. who have been through these sorts of things, it's a pretty natural part of life for, for, for the vast majority of people. You tend to get better at it and, and just sort of, whether you get better at it or not, you do, because you've been through it before, you sort of understand that it's not the end of the world and you don't catastrophize and you give yourself a couple of weeks or even months if it's a bad rejection or breakup and say, okay, look, I'll probably be feeling a bit down this period, but things will pick back up again. Um, what With the messages mm. you've been receiving, have there been specific types of rejections or... Uh, it's usually from women at work, like women they approach, etc. And I think that what you were saying is, well, first of all, an interesting kind of perspective on the Gen Z and younger generation is that they're so um, technology reliant that having a face-to-face -face interaction, approaching someone face-to-face -face can seem absolutely terrifying. And you're spot on when you say it is definitely a skill that needs to be learned and practice like I, I know I feel super confident speaking to strangers going out and meeting new people um public speaking that's that's completely fine and comfortable for me but that was something I really had to teach into myself I used to have chronic chronic shyness I couldn't even order at a cafe without having an absolute panic attack like I was that shy um but it's something that with practice and time you can overcome and I think the the most important lesson kind of like what you were saying with that exposure is is and not doing it as like a game but i think that the emotional reaction we have to react rejection all comes through to our prior investment that we have in that person and you need to check yourself at times so if you're going up to someone and you're going to just you know swing something by there don't think like fuck if i if i do this is going to be so good if this happens blah 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 don't have that point of view. The the perception you need to be having and the perspective you need to be kind of putting out is that I'm curious. Like I'm curious, curious what will happen if I approach this person and compliment their outfit. I'm curious what will happen if I do this because if you go to someone with the intention that if I just talk to this woman, I could definitely get her to come home from me and then she doesn't come home with you and you don't, you know, she doesn't owe you that, then you get upset and I think that what else is really important to recognize is the emotional response that you know we have to this and I always 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 go on about this in every podcast saying we need to focus on is on what is underneath our emotional response and I know I harp on about this but like you know like any therapist brings the same thing to the forefront every single time so it becomes something that we're actually conscious of and reminded of consistently because Without that investment where, you know, if you, in your case, that one you're talking about where you had a crush on a girl for like a year, it makes sense to feel absolutely gutted and super frustrated or really upset or, 
you know, have all these emotions because you've fantasized and had this investment in this person for such a long time. So that emotional response is quite valid. That does not mean that anyone should have to communicate that in a way to punish them being like, fuck you, this, that, or whatever. Um, But it makes sense to feel overwhelmed with, you know, sadness or frustration. But what doesn't make sense is when you go up to someone you've just seen two minutes ago or 10 minutes ago at an event and then you're furious that they've rejected you. You shouldn't have never even been invested in that person to begin with when they're a stranger and that stranger or even someone you've known for a really long time doesn't owe you anything. So I think that we need to change our view on rejection and understand what about the rejection is really, really upsetting me. Is it that I don't feel good enough? Is it that I don't feel inadequate? Is it feel like I'll never find a romantic connection? Like what is actually triggering this response? And I think that for men in particular, and I'm not going to turn this into like, you know, a feminist rant, um, but I think for men in particular, because it seems to be such a more aggressive issue for men that respond with aggression very frequently. And it has happened to me at least 20 times at least where I've had someone call me a fucking bitch or have a go or stalk me or something like that because I've said, I'm really sorry. Like, I don't feel like we we connected because of A, B and C. Um, and then it's that aggression that we, we all hear stories that women experience this consistently. And then, you know, it's like, yeah, we don't owe you this, but why has it made you that level of frustrated? It's because it happened consistently Or is it, you know, a societal view that maybe you expect that you're, you know, obligated to actually receive something? Is it that you expect you deserve this? So, and the same goes for women, because when I was thinking of, you know, thinking of this podcast, I was like, women don't respond in this way, but they often do in in relationships when they're rejected in relationships and this used I used to do this when I was like 20 and I know a lot of women do this still to this day where if a man rejects them especially sexually they're very comfortable to reject men sexually and say you know I'm not in the mood but when a man rejects them sexually they also have that you know kind of toxic (laughs) toxic masculinity kind of view where they're like no man should ever reject me. Every single man should be down to have sex at every instance. So it goes, you know, it's definitely in both genders, but expressed differently. Um, so it's definitely something to be aware of and understand why is that triggering to us? Because I used to be like that and I had to unlearn it in myself and realize how unfair it was. But it's interesting when we have responses and we, you know, we think, well, it's because of this. It's never because of that. You have to think deeper than that. And you're, you're going to go through the same cycle over and over again until you unlearn it um, or actually learn the lesson you're supposed to learn from it. No, that, Does that, that make that, sense? It definitely makes <laughs> sense. It makes perfect sense. Uh, it's, it does, it, it gets to the real core of uh, who you are as a person when, when you've been rejected by someone that you, have feelings for or are attracted yeah. to and it's it really hurts like nothing else in in many ways because it's just a it's not just a rejection of your advances often if it particularly if it is a situation where it's an ongoing thing where maybe it is a work thing and that it's it's a a lot of people can, can interpret it as like oh you're not good enough for me and 
you have to keep yeah. telling yourself, look, I mean, if you want to, you could, you could interpret a rejection in that way uh, because that, look, it, it's, it's a brutal uh, dating world out there. Uh, there is a lot of pain and, and rejection that happens. And uh, I'm not at all justifying any of the sort of immature and, and, uh, pugnacious reactions that often are espoused by men in particular uh but i i know what that feels like and it's really uh it does hurt a lot and you just have to be able to just just walk away from a situation just you know if, if you are angry and you've had a lot of successive rejections and you've maybe not getting any matches on tinder or just every online date you go on and sorry when you meet someone from an online um dating platform and it always ends in like ah you know i just didn't feel the spark it's it's hard not to um be angry at the world because you know this is such a strong narrative that we see throughout pop culture throughout music everywhere in our media it's love romantic love and and when you feel like you're doing everything that you possibly can and you know, you're not gaining that you're not able to have those feelings. You you think, Oh, well, why am I not worthy? Like why, what more do I need to do? How unfair is this? But uh, look, life sometimes is unfair and there are just the way technology is now and the way that uh millennials and and gen z have sort of molded the dating environment it's it is brutal it is uh it can be very cruel and if you react negatively and and have a cynical attitude about it that will only make it worse um so yeah i I do definitely agree with yes the attitude is so important and i think that have a mantra for yourself and it's not this hippy dippy bullshit it's self-awareness to have you know mantras and and think about it prior to going into these experiences like one person's perception of me does not define who i am or if i am rejected it does not mean i am lesser than or something like that that aligns to you and i really i was thinking about if i should say this or if i shouldn't say this um because I know people always get really, men get really upset when I bring this into it and it's not a tit for tat kind of thing, but I will say it anyway. Um, What is important to recognize, and the reason I'm saying this is because of the severe level of, I guess, response and that men can have to rejection, especially from romantic pursuits and things like that. And it's all, you know, I agree that like you were saying, you need to walk away and things like that. But what I worry about is people walk away, shaking their head, being like, I'm the bigger person. I walked away. Fuck this, you know, woman, fuck these bitches. Like they don't do this, that kind of thing. And it's not about you need to realize why you reject it. It's not about that. I think that something I just want people to consider is that women at the hands of men have experienced 
significantly more, you know, violence and they are, you know, much more likely to be perpetrated against with DV, sexual assault, rape, and all of these kind of things that when you compare about who's got it harder from the opposite gender, you can't deny that in some ways women have it harder. So I think that for just to challenge some views of listeners that really wanting to have an opportunity to vent about rejection, you're so valid in being able to vent about those emotions that you're feeling and things like that. But you also have to recognize that if that is the depth of your issue with the female gender, then you are lucky. Like you're so lucky that the biggest issue you have is just your ego being threatened and not your physical health. (laughs) Um, So just kind of keep those things in mind. I'm not trying to invalidate people that have been rejected. I just mean people that make it really part of their entire community. And like you were saying, uh, identity, sorry. And like you were saying before about how, you know, that sabotage aspect that people that have been rejected often do. And I talked about this in, I think one of our podcast, only like two podcasts ago though, um, where a woman was posting like screenshots of guys that were sabotaging exactly what you were talking about by being like, they would message her that she'd respond saying she's interested. And then he'd be like, nah, girl, like you wouldn't fucking be interested in me. Like, is this some kind of joke? Are you just trolling me? And then she'd actually lose interest. And then he'd be like, see, I fucking told you. Um, So just to kind of bring another little factor into it, but that's not to invalidate all you know, this, the emotional reaction to, um, being rejected. It's still a really shitty thing. Um, but don't hate an entire gender because of it is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you can't have that kind of attitude. It's not going to serve you well moving forward. And I think, uh, uh, I think what you said there was a very fair point and everything. I think uh, what can often happen with these sorts of situations in society, uh, especially when it comes to just short form content, you know, we're able to unpack this at length, uh, is whenever men try to bring up an issue that maybe, and it's not, I don't think most men are, are saying like, oh, it's worse for us or anything like that. But as soon as they say like, hey, look, there's a there's maybe some emotional abuse that, isn't spoken about that often men can experience. Mm -hmm. And then like the fact that men have to do all the, like they're the ones often having to do the approach, having to make the move and things like that. And what can often happen is like, oh yeah, but like that's, you're being a sook because like women have it worse. And and a lot of times I don't think the men talking about that and are trying to say it's the same or that men have it worse. Uh, I think they're just kind of trying to also say like, hey, look, these are some issues that, men can struggle through uh but which is what you're doing this is that's what you're doing though but i think the thing is is that i'll have to send you some of these messages i get from men just hating women being like i can't fucking stand them i can't deal with them it's not like a i really want an open space that's why i was saying this is specifically about people that make this their entire identity and hate a whole it's not for people that are aware of their emotions and discuss that like you and I do. Um, and the reason I kind of have maybe more recently started um, bringing those kind of 
like feminist point of views in is because previously I was a little bit hesitant to do it because I didn't want people to think I'm the woman and I'm just here to talk about, well, women this, women that kind of thing. But I actually have had only two, but it was really significant to me. Two guys um, messaged me since this podcast being like, I literally was an incel and hated women before I found your podcast and every single view I ever had was challenged. And I feel like now I can date, now I can do this. Like I've unlearned so much. No one used the word language, I've unlearned. That's a bit like therapeutic, but you know, the essence of that. Um, so I think that it's just, I'm trying to really like get into those people that will look at this podcast and think I've been fucking rejected. And yeah, this is like, you know, hating on women because of it and just thinking, there are much bigger issues at play than just that. If that is what is encompassing your entire like being and perception towards another gender, then you need to seek support for that or, or challenge that within yourself because a certain part of it is, is valid and, you know, is completely fair. But if that is something that you can justify your response with every interaction with women being like, well, they reject me <laughs> and I'm not going to do this because women reject me, etc." Um, which, you know, working in domestic violence currently, I see all the time as well, that perception. And you kind of, you, you have to challenge it a bit. Like you got to, just in the way like you challenge me being like, you know, men need an op- a forum to talk about things openly without it coming back to don't complain, you don't get raped. <laughs> like, it's kind of both, like both of those need to be put forward for consideration, I guess, like your point and my point as well. Like it's, it's a, it's a hard thing because people get so offended when they, when they hear it, like, don't talk about this and don't bring that up. But I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I get that. I haven't seen those messages. Uh, damn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of, uh, what are they called? Well, incel is a strong word as well, but there are. There are a lot of. We need like a little baby incel. Like, baby incel. Going to make people even angrier. Amateur yeah. incel. But the thing is like incels thrown around <laughs> in the know. same way a word like lefty or like, you know, right winger is thrown around. It's just. Yeah, that's right. I look at men calling other men incels and, and I just look at them and I think, oh, that looks like projection. But I mean, I don't know their love life, but, you know, <laughs> it looks like it's the sort of word that's just thrown around yeah. from guys that hate that in themselves, maybe. Um, and uh, it's, yeah, I it's, it's not a nice uh, culture that uh, is starting to emerge and... Well, it has been now emerging for a while, but uh, yeah, it's not nice, is it? And it's not, it's not helpful. Like no one's going to, it's just, it's a sort of nihilistic attitude that it's tough because I've always sort of said, look, I want to still be able to have compassion for people who maybe even if they do think that way, because they think that way because they perceive yes, everyone yeah. to be against them and their problems are always being invalidated. Um, but there's a way to yeah. to frame yourself and to frame the world around you and um th- yeah look maybe therapy is is helpful but even just other modes of spirituality even if it is religion um 
I think for the most part that's mm. can be really helpful for people in that situation and can uh, give people a, a, a sort of a more transcendental idea of what the meaning of life is as opposed to just, you know, our reptil- what our reptilian brain thinks the meaning of life is, which, you know, our reptilian brain does think the meaning of life is to spread our genes as much as possible and accrue as much power as we possibly <laughs> yes. can. So, um, yeah. and even that, like... That's a good that's piece a, of advice. That's a yeah. common one where... Uh, I, it's hard because I do. I know exactly what you mean. Like I look at comments as well and on TikToks and mm-hmm. things, and the the comments that kind of piss me off the most are the, the ones from people who you know probably I I'm trying to sort of be a bit more open and compassionate towards uh, maybe the the Intel community, but then when you see a comment that's just the exact stereotype that everyone why everyone hates them well those are the ones that piss me off so much as well because it's like look you you, you, it's just like a you you, you're actively have fallen in love with this identity that you're this just uniquely victimized individual and Mm. it's not going to help i do i do say that there are sort of factors at play that are just completely out of people's control such as online dating and you know social media and uh various cultural uh ideas and both um you know if 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 there's both if you could say there's a culture of both genders now in the west there's there's sort of i think unhealthy ideas that are sometimes sort of spoken about as a joke mm. um and sometimes spoken about far more seriously but they these are sort of the sort of things that might be out of people's control and it's not going to get any better though if we continually yeah. um uh, just just uh don't step out of these silos and 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 yeah yeah i agree and yeah listen and um yeah hmm. i think that it's actually something that i've really had to develop in my own practice in um over the last few years because i kind of used to have this perception that you know, you know, working with sex offenders and pedophiles and abusive people that, um, and usually, you know, men in would be that clientele most of the time. And I used to really have this view of needing to really address it with just pure love and, and empathy and compassion. And it took me actually a while to realize that in doing so, I was harming them further by validating their experiences too much to the point where they weren't being challenged enough. Like, of course, I my intention was always, I'm going to bring this up and be like, well, have you considered this? And have you thought about this? But never enough to make it actually sink in. And I've found that since coming more to the point of, yes, I agree, we need to be compassionate for anyone, no matter what or how terrible the experience is. Uh, because that compassion builds relation and we can change things once we have that relationship. Um, But I do find that actually I've been getting so much further along the last few years when I outright challenge (laughs) the views of people and and bringing in a different perspective, just as, you know, you do to me all the time and I do to you. Like, I think that's what's really good about this is that we always challenge each other in in really respectful ways 
ways. But I think, you know, you raise a really good point, which a lot of people would overlook about that, like the religious aspect. And, you know, I've, I've actually never recommended religion <laughs> to anyone as like a therapeutic value, but it does have such great value. And I, years ago, like maybe eight years ago, I started doing these and anyone could do them. They're all over Sydney. I think, I don't know if they're on the coast, but they're definitely in Sydney. And if you look up um, Buddhism meditation classes, it's like meditateinsydney.org and they have them everywhere and you pay $10 and you go in and they give you like teachings on Buddhism and then you meditate for the last half hour. And it was so profound to me and really fucking challenged me and took me out of my place of ego and thinking, God, I really just thought all of my thought proceedings <laughs> and my thought processes were just about myself and everything that I go through, everything I've impacted, blah, blah, blah. This is when I was like 20. And having gone to those classes, I did for years, was like, holy shit, there is so much bigger than me and so much more meaning in my life other than my own emotions and experiences. So I definitely do find that that... Um, that is a really important part because above everything, above the reptilian brain's desire for, you know, spreading the seed, etc., comes our sense of identity and connection, which is why, like you were saying, people in that in-self community find so much validation and support and satisfaction being in that community and staying stuck there because that's their identity and that's their connection. And, and that's all anyone is ever seeking above everything. Absolutely. And, uh, there's a total lack of, of, of nuance when it comes to any sort of cultural conversation in this day and age, right? So, uh, mm. you know, there's some people who will, who will sort of misconstrue uh, jokes about the opposite gender as hatred and, you know, sometimes even yes, venting about the opposite definitely. gender, which uh, can, be, can be construed as... Yeah, sort of yeah. evidence for an underlying malice that you may that you may harbor, and and the tough thing is, some people who express those jokes or that 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 level of venting could have that uh, underlying uh, you know deeper negative association with the opposite gender. But then there are some people who are just making jokes or venting about you know, all, all men are trash or all women are annoying or whatever it is, and they don't actually have any deep resentment. They're just, uh, whatever, they had a fight with their significant yeah. other or something like that. And it's yeah. so difficult yeah. to sift through that and and try and figure out who's saying what's truly hateful and, 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 and it's so subjective and it's, uh, mm. it's really... Uh, uh, it's a landmine. It's a well. It's just a minefield, I should say, not a landmine. Um, mm. And I str- look. I'm sure everyone listening can hear me. Uh, I, I, I just it's, even I struggle with these sorts of things because um, I definitely want to humble myself and understand. There's just there's just certain things uh, I do have advantages uh, over. Uh, in regards to, uh, you know, a lot of people will co- often point out, like, you give this advice, but, you know, you're famous. Uh, it's it's kind of easy for you to not be rejected or to, you know, you have so much going on in your life where it's never going to be as, yeah. as painful. And that's, 
entirely correct. Like I'd never, I'd never deny yeah. that. I don't think that sort of means I, I can't, I can't give advice or I can't say my opinion or my piece on, on the issue. Um, and similarly, you know, there's just, I, I will never know what it's like to, to be a woman. Um, I don't, I don't know, uh, what the day-to-day experience is. It's all very true, but and then at the same time, people can take lived experience to a point where they're avoiding, you know, objective, uh, statistics and things. That's when I yes. definitely have a problem yeah. with it. And, and I think it, it can get to a definitely. point where it's just does also become that just a sort of sense of identity that is very hard to question. Um, and, and, you know, I see the same thing happen with, uh, racial issues and when, you know, people mm-hmm. of color have this sort of monopoly on, um, negative experiences due to race and sometimes even negative experiences in general. And it's a, uh, it, it, it can become quite a gross mentality actually. Um, but at the same time, there's without a doubt a, a huge truth to the idea that certain groups have a very different uh aggregate uh experience of society and reality than other groups uh and that's not a that's not a, a idea that we should be disputing but i think we can discuss what what we can do about that uh what the, those different interpretations could be whether someone's subjective mm-hmm. and personal interpretation of the world is is actually entirely accurate. There's all these other questions that are often not asked. And that's why I like this podcast a lot yes. um, because, you know, we I like to think we can sort of uh, trundle through these as, as respectfully as possible. But, you know, sometimes I might misstep as well. And, and uh, hopefully I can acknowledge that. I guess coming back to rejection, don't want to get too hippy dippy there either. But um, I remember you said there's a lot of people who who might have been rejected by someone at work, and that I always have found is actually a very tough one. I've 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 actively avoided chasing after uh, women in my industry that I might be interested in because I know it is just going to be so awkward if that isn't reciprocated. And then there's all there's going to be all sorts of gossip, and so I just avoid it. But that's probably not healthy either. I mean, I could have missed out on some amazing relationships and opportunities. Uh, I think, and so, look, I I'm probably not best um, equipped to answer that that to to give any advice on that particular situation. But I I would guess that uh, being uh, particularly with people who are sort of maybe 23, 24 and older being direct and uh, just being, having intention and and just speaking your mind, but then accepting whatever the other person says seems to be the best situation. I know when I was younger, I'd be very coy and try to hint at the, the fact that I liked someone. And now I look back and I think I was just, I just would have come across as very indecisive and, and confusing um so i would suggest that but how do you feel about say work colleagues and things do you think someone should just be direct and say hey look i know we work together i do find you very attractive i'd love to get a drink but by all means if you don't feel the same way then i'll just leave it at that i I feel like something like that i again i feel like that's probably the best 
um, way to go about it rather than, you know, always sending someone memes or just being very coy and hinting at it. I, I think that's very <laughs> yeah. childish. And, and I would guess yeah. I would probably turn someone off. But again, that's that's my guess. And I remember when we answered the uh, 18-year-old's question, it was, no, don't be too direct. Don't be too assertive. So uh, what, what do you think about the, the work situation specifically? It's so hard because, you know, I've been in that workplace where, um, you know, working in a professional kind of environment and having a much older men approach me, compliment me, and then try to get me to go out with them. And it just was like so infuriating for me. Like the frustration I felt and invalidation I felt as a worker is palpable, I think, um, because I, and those are coming from people of a much higher position than me, I should say, like much, much higher. So that is something that needs to be taken into serious consideration. Um, and I, I like the narrative you gave, like just keep it so simplistic, so straightforward. Love to take you on a drink sometime. Like, let me know if you'd be keen, even if with whether or not you kind of state that, um, you have a romantic interest in them. I think just by offering them on a, I'd like to take you on a drink is enough to gauge their interest. Be like, let me know if you'd ever be keen. And it, one, if it's going to be the two of you and you're both single, I think they're going to understand that it's broaching that subject. Two, it leads the ball in their court so they don't have to respond, respond on the spot by saying like, oh, look, I'm not really into you or like I'm uncomfortable with this, whatever. They can just be like, yeah, I'll let you know. And then it's up to them whether they do or they don't and you don't ask again. That's it. Um, so that would be my piece of advice. That sounds very reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, you probably don't want to be if you're in a if you're a boss and you know, someone's many levels under you. Don't approach people half your yeah. age <laughs> and much yeah, much less your much more your what's the word I'm looking for? What's the yeah, you get junior, I guess. Yeah. yeah, unless they make it extremely clear, or and then even then, you probably have to gauge whether that's the best uh, professional uh, course of action as well. But uh, then yeah. again, like we said, didn't your your mom uh, hit on your dad, who was the boss? So yeah, exactly. You wouldn't exist <laughs> if that didn't happen. So. Um, but yeah that was her <laughs> hitting on him so yeah yeah <laughs> still poor you fun. reckon you still oh, well. you still think thanks mom <laughs> i you wouldn't you I wouldn't even so. exist and there's like a yeah true true i mean it's just such a cliche there's like a 13 year age gap between my parents and my mum was a receptionist and my dad was a boss the 80s. So, it was, well, like, no wait 90s different time <laughs> different time hey? 90s that's yeah, what true, everyone's every time. 30 years you know yeah. i'm watching movies in the 90s and they're like oh it was the 60s different time oh it was the 30s different time it's like yeah obviously it's a different time <laughs> um, yeah i know now it's well the 90s. uh <laughs> i don't know what else whether I have anything else to say on this issue, I know I sort of bumbled through that a little bit. It is a, it is a sometimes an uncomfortable topic because, like I've been saying, I'm always in sort of two minds in treading with uh, 
you know, compassion and, and trying to let the, the point of view that I often feel like isn't heard in today's cultural discourse. I, I want that point of view to be heard in a respectful way, but also, you know, being uh, fairly critical of uh, views that may seem similar but lack any sort of nuance and are purely just a sort of expression of uh, self-pity and victimization. And uh, it's a fine line um, often between self-pity and and sort of self-victimization versus legitimate concerns for a large group of people. And, you know, little sort of popular Mm -hmm. phrases like don't be a victim doesn't, doesn't always help. Um, And it's important to, I think, address both sides of that coin and say, you you have to try and avoid being personally being a victim and and wallowing in self-pity whilst also still, yeah, Mm. articulating issues that maybe you do feel uh, aren't spoken about or, or a lot of people don't necessarily have a, an accurate uh, idea of what it what it's truly like and but if you do it in a hateful way if you say oh you you know stupid women they're just all bitches or whatever and they'll never understand well yeah well what do you think like that's purely in it that you're just being you're just sort of like verbally masturbating at that point like that's not gonna you just want to you're not like who's gonna listen to that and be yeah. like oh you make a good point like you just come on think about this think about this yeah. and then and then the, the biggest criticism is like well they're the ones who are always saying like oh men are so rational and you know not emotional and then they do this it's like well you're not thinking rationally are you if you're going to say things like that you're not at all because that's not gonna you're not going to change anyone's minds and you're not going to um have people you know see see you or your group in in a different light so uh, I think yeah. I've, I've mentioned him a lot. I've interviewed him. The, the the Tin Men on Instagram sort of expresses some of those issues in a very, from from my opinion, uh, like a very compassionate kind of way. Uh, but you know, not everyone thinks that <laughs> either. So it's a uh, it's a tough one. And um, thank you for the you know that that what you did say before and challenging uh, certain views and. You know, you should always, that's what this whole podcast was meant to be about, um, that we weren't going to sit here and agree with each other and have the same ideas about everything. That's the, That was the <laughs> whole point of it. So that was good. Otherwise, you'd just be here yeah. on your Otherwise, own. Otherwise, <laughs> then you can listen to me and Jordan. That's where you get that. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, any any final words on rejection? No, I think you said it well, I think. I think that it's just, you know, when we talk about not knowing the difference between genuine, you know, uh, validation of your emotions versus wallowing in self-pity and hatred, I think that, and even crossing the line, like between jokes and comments versus what's really offensive, I think it's not for other people to really tell you. I think it's for you to determine how, how much that is impacting your view and perception, um, in your opinions, whether it be of yourself or of others. So if you're finding that it's having a significant impact on you, then it's not serving you the way that it should. So anything that really weighs heavy on your heart or takes up a lot of space inside you, you need to understand through and through. Yeah, couldn't have said that better. All right, well, uh, (laughs) thank you for listening to that one. Um, Apologies if I was, if I, you know, bumbled through and 
sort of misstepped on a few things there. Uh, I do. There's no. probably a lot of ums and ahs, but I uh, hope you still enjoyed it. And come see me live, comedyuntamed.com. Check out the new, it's not anything fancy, but check out the new website and uh, follow us on, uh, follow Sex Sells Podcast on TikTok and Instagram. Follow Eliza on Instagram, Eliza Joy Wilson, uh, steadyfreddy.com. Get yourself some of that delay spray, the, the spray to keep the cum at bay. And crushorganics.com. Uh, for Steady Freddy, use the code SEXTELS. You get 15% off. Crush Organics, use the code NEIL. You get 40% off. And we will see you next time. See you next week. <laughs>